the Sideways, Book One, Awake, written and narrated by Andy Havens. If you're enjoying the podcast or you've enjoyed the written book, we'd always appreciate a share on your favorite social network. That's www.the-side-ways.com. Thanks for listening. Wallace wasn't particularly surprised when Kaelin sat down next to him on the park bench a few blocks from the library. He'd been expecting someone from their little lunch group to show up, either the Greenman or the Crow, and at two weeks it had actually taken a bit longer than he'd thought. I need to find the girl, the Greenman said with no introduction. You mean Kendra, Wallace said unnecessarily. But while he wasn't surprised, he was still a bit uncomfortable. Naturals were some of the hardest creatures to truly see, since their ways often disappeared into the fabric and flow of the world itself. Kaolin simply sat and stared at him, waiting. After a moment of nervous silence, Wallace replied, I have no idea where she is. The Greenman nodded. I didn't think you did but I thought maybe we could work together to find her. Wallace balled the crusts of his sandwich up inside his brown paper bag and plopped it in the trash bin beside the bench. He took the last few sips out of a juice box and threw that out, too. Standing up, he said, I don't think that's smart. Not for me. And why do you want to find her anyway? Kalen stood up, too. Easily a head taller than Wallace, he looked down at the man in a way that seemed to convey both concern and menace. My boss thinks she may be in danger. Serious danger. I think I'd agree with that, said Wallace, turning and walking back towards the library. But it's still not a smart thing for me to do. He stopped when he felt the Greenman's hand on his shoulder, always a slightly odd feeling, that like the difference between filtered indoor air and a breeze from the outside, carrying a hint of dust or loam. "'Just tell me what you think you know,' said Kaolin. "'I'm not asking you to go anywhere or do anything. I know that's not your strength.' <laughs> Wallace snorted. "'Annoyed, though true,' he admitted, chuckling a bit. Kaolin gestured back to the bench, Wallace checked his watch, shrugged, and sat down again. For the next fifteen minutes, Wallace and the Greenman shared everything they knew about Kendra's situation. Kaolin knew, of course, about how the girl had come to the library. He'd brought her there, after all. And he knew many more details about the fight with the Ethereals. But Wallace knew more about the challenge Kendra had faced in the library, and about how she'd freed Tess. That was, he told Kaelin, the subject of much gossip among the staff for several days. I'd imagine, the Greenman agreed. For the librarian to lose a tool like that? Very odd, and compounded with the other oddness of the girl's awakening. They sat quietly for a few moments, watching the mundane traffic go by. Finally, Kaelin asked, How unusual is it for a reckoner to sleep like that, to not know the ways or domains. It's very unusual, Wallace replied. Not unheard of. I did some digging last week and found a couple dozen cases in the records. 
that's over the course of a thousand years or so. Most of the time, it was a child who was lost among mundanes for some reason, abandoned or orphaned, and then retrieved, almost always within a short time, though, a baby lost very young and then recovered and returned to a house. But again, still a young child, still at an age when we all initially learn to walk the ways. The Greenman nodded. You are all odd to us. My kind are born knowing. Of course, Wallace said. You are more of a living way yourself than a reckoner. Kaelin chuckled. <laughs> a living way. I like that. You may be a poet as well as a librarian, young one. Odd to be called a young one, Wallace thought, by a creature probably around four years old. Poetry encodes more meaning than many other forms of... Yes, yes, Kaolin interrupted him. But back to the girl. It seemed to me from what she'd said in the garden that she'd been on the kinds of drugs that mundanes give each other to reduce their creativity and vision. Wallace made a sour face. That's a side effect, not the reason. Many of them have a hard time with even the narrow slice of reality they experience. Theirs is not an easy life, I think. You sympathize with them. Oh, of course, Wallace said. How can you not? They are so much like us. Kaelin shook his head. Mirkir is more like me than they are. But never mind that. If it is unusual for a girl to get to her age unawakened, my thought was that maybe those drugs hampered her the same as they do certain functions of the chronics. Wallace nodded. That's not a bad theory. Whether it was intentional or not, who knows? A young reckoner in the mundane world might present as schizophrenic or even psychotic. I don't know those words. You wouldn't, but it's not uncommon among them. Their ability to perceive reality being so narrow, it almost begs for misunderstanding and misdirection. Kaelin nodded. Where would she get those drugs? From a parent? A parent's permission would certainly be needed, usually, but the drugs themselves, you generally would need a doctor to prescribe them. I know of doctors. Can we discover which one gave her the drugs? Wallace nodded. Trivial information to retrieve, especially since so much of that data is now online. Give me just a minute. The young man removed a laptop from his backpack and fired it up. Kalen sat quietly and watched Wallace's manipulations of the device. He was doubly confused, both by the technology and the ways of sight that flowed through Wallace's fingers. But he was accustomed to waiting and watching and not really understanding the things held important by the young domains, as Earth sometimes thought of the other houses. Finally, Wallace snapped the computer shut and returned it to its backpack. A psychiatrist named S. Leon. Office isn't that far from here. We could walk. Kalen nodded and held out his hand. Wallace took it, and they slid onto a narrow road, speeding off in the direction of Dr. Leon's office faster than the nearby cars. After her time of travel, tutoring, and various juvenile yet harmless hijinks, Kendra felt pretty sure she was not going to join Chaos. If nothing else, it was simply too tiring. The adrenaline rush of not knowing exactly what was going to happen next was fun for the first dozen times. After that, I need a break, she told Vanya. I need to sleep in the same place, preferably a bed, at least two nights in a row. I probably should do that back at home 
so my mom doesn't worry or call to check up on me. Parrot Girl paused from blowing notes on an empty orange crush bottle and nodded solemnly. I think you're right. I've taught you as much as I can. I think one more stop and you'll be ready to start figuring things out for yourself, like which domain you'll join. That's priority one after I drop you off. It was Kendra's turn to nod. Vanya had explained to her that unaffiliated reckoners were, while rare, not unheard of, and that they were often targets for either abuse, exploitation, or outright murder. The law adheres to the way, she'd been reminded a number of times, and until you joined a house, you were unprotected. I'm still not sure why anyone would care, she said to Vanya. I mean, how would my choice be of any concern to any domain or person? Vanya rolled a bottle between her palms and asked, Have you ever had an argument about something that doesn't matter? I mean, something that doesn't have any impact on you at all? Uh, sure, I guess. I don't know. What do you mean? Like, uh, about which band is better, or whether a particular movie sucks or not. Kendra nodded. Of course. Well, why did you care what the other person thought? Or if you were right? Or if your opinion was better thought out, or if you could state it more forcefully? That's a really good question, thought Kendra. I'm... I'm not sure, she said. Ideas have power, Parrot Girl said, seriously, putting the bottle down on the ground and spinning it. I look at this bottle, and I see a decision-making apparatus. The bottle continued to spin, well after normal friction should have slowed it to a stop. Vanya gestured above the bottle, and it danced a little, tilting up and down in a series of arcs and whirls. "'What do you see?' she asked Kendra, bottle still spinning, hands still waving slightly. Kendra looked hard, the way Vanya had taught her. She saw the lines of probability and chance. She saw that, in this case, the bottle would make one of two choices, Parrot Girl or Kendra. It hadn't decided yet. Her friend was still suspending that choice, but soon it would have to point mostly at one of the girls or the other. Or the bottle could break, she thought. Kendra nudged it a bit herself with a tiny flex of her own volition, and the bottle spun a bit closer to a little piece of stone jutting out of the pavement. Vanya didn't seem to notice, intent on making the bottle spin faster and rise higher on each pass. Kendra nudged it a bit more. As the mouth of the bottle swung down, it hit the little nub of rock and cracked. Vanya, surprised, released her control, and the bottle skidded away, shattering against the brick wall Kendra was leaning up against. Parrot Girl looked up at Kendra, smiled, and said, You win. With that, she stood and held out her hand. I'm going to take you to Bardone's now, and from there, you'll be on your own. Kendra took her friend's hand and stood, asking, What's Bardone's? Vanya grinned and wagged her eyebrows. A wretched hive of scum and villainy. Kendra shook her head, amused. Lean on, Obi-Wan. Parrot Girl's wings opened, obscuring the North African sun. Beneath a hazy shadow of soft green, and they vanished. The hardest part about breaking into Dr. Leon's office was waiting for her to leave the building. Since she lived in the apartment behind her office, Kaelin and Wallace couldn't simply wait for her to go home. Wallace planted a small observation way across the street from her building, and they went to a nearby Starbucks to wait. And wait. Nearly twelve hours later, Dr. Leon finally left the building and got a cab, 
leading the two to believe she'd be out for at least some time. Slipping unseen into a mundane's building and office was no work whatsoever, but Wallace made sure they were careful to check for any hidden ways that might betray their presence. The situation with Kendra was unusual enough that neither of them believed other reckoners weren't involved. Once inside, Kalen began carefully searching shelves, drawers, and books, while Wallace turned on the doctor's computer to see if he could discover anything there. Again, the kind of security that protected unwanted attention from other mundanes had no real stopping power against even a junior clerk of sight. According to her notes, Wallace said after a few minutes, Kendra is suffering from some pretty severe issues, including paranoid schizophrenia and bipolar disorder. That's what they often say when one of them gets a glimpse of the world. Not surprising. Agreed, said Kaolin. And, Wallace continued, there's nothing else in her files that suggests Leon isn't simply treating Kendra as a mundane with mental illness. So, no clues. Nothing to help find her. Wallace shook his head, still clicking through pages of notes going backward through the years of Kendra's treatment. Nope. Adjustments to medications, new prescriptions when new drugs come on the market, various comments about Kendra's personal life, but nothing you wouldn't expect from a girl with some troubling issues. Kaolin grunted in frustration, acknowledgement, and he continued to gently toss the office, looking under and behind anything that he could easily open, shift, or lift. "'What's this?' he asked at one point, holding up a very nice set of shiny metal balls on wires, all hung in a row from a metal frame. "'It's called a Newton's Cradle,' Wallace explained. "'It's just a desk toy. You swing the balls back and forth. Some mundanes find it relaxing or entertaining.' The Greenman put it down and set the ball swinging all at the same time. Boring, he said. Wallace smiled to himself, but didn't explain the uh, proper use of the toy. And these, Kalen asked, holding up a handful of cards with seemingly random blotches on them. Those are ink blots, Wallace said, clicking back to the earliest record in Kendra's file, absently noting details that later he would be able to recall with perfect clarity, if needed. Also a toy, the Greenman asked, flipping through them. No, they use it as a conversation starter, basically. You look at the patterns and you tell what you see. I see messy spots, Kalen said, looking at another card. They look like nothing. You have to be creative, Wallace explained. You say what you imagine they look like, but they look like nothing. Bring them here, Wallace said. I'll explain. No need. I assume it's useful for mundanes, but... Kalen stopped at one card, looking carefully at it. But what? This one isn't nothing, he said quietly. None of them are nothing, Wallace replied. You have to... Kalen held up his hand and gestured for Wallace to come over. Shutting down Dr. Leon's computer first and returning the keyboard to its drawer, he did so. That's not nothing, the Greenman said, turning one of the cards to face the clerk. To Wallace, the image was as clear as a photograph would have been to a mundane. It showed the feast of Leonze, a fable out of Reckoner mythology, where the chaos hero, Lying Tamron, was tricked by blood priests into raising a family of snakes who eventually turned and ate him. Why would a mundane doctor have such a thing? Kaelin asked. I don't know, Wallace muttered. They looked through the other cards. Aside from the first dozen or so, which were standard ink blots, as far as Wallace could tell, they were all scenes from Reckoner myths, all of them done in a style popular more than 500 years before, made famous by the blood artist Merquette. To mundane eyes, they would seem like a Jackson Pollock painting, 
just so many random spatters, enough like Rorschach blots to not seem out of place in the same deck. But to any reckoner, not just obvious, but obvious and meaningful. Turning one over in his hands, Wallace cast a minor seeing and dropped the card as if it had burned him. What? asked Kalin, bending to pick up the card. It's an original, Wallace said, holding out his hand for the rest of the deck. The Greenman obliged, and Wallace passed his seeing over each card in turn. These are all originals, the clerk whispered, all eighteen of them. I knew the style was Metiquette's, but I assumed there were copies or another artist's work. Why? Because these are unknown. I mean, they are known, the pieces themselves, the pictures. We have a set in the library vaults, but that's supposedly the only copy done by Metiquette himself. Kalin looked at the images over Wallace's shoulder as he leafed through them again. Is that important? Wallace shook his head. Yes, I mean, it must be, but I don't know why. The works of Metiquette are all highly prized. Blood art is often complex, hard to understand. It works on levels that are closer to raw nature than anything outside of Earth. Earth doesn't create art, Kalin said. Earth is art. I know, Wallace replied, putting the cards back down on the desk. But the art of blood can summon power that is, for other reckoners, nearer to Earth than any other way. Interesting. They both stood in silence for a moment, contemplating the pictures. Another coincidence, thought Wallace. That makes, I don't know, five or six? That's too many. He was familiar with the mundane concept of confirmation bias, though. Every string of perfect, unconnected accidents has an outcome. Seen from the beginning, you can track and trace those actions and know that, yes, they were all perfectly random. But if you only see the end point, then they seem inevitably connected, because they are, but not by intention, simply by the final combined effect. Coincidence, he muttered to himself. Co-incidence. The Greenman hadn't heard him. Where would a mundane doctor get a set of priceless blood art originals? Kalen asked. I have no idea. And once she had them, why would she show them to a damaged reckoner girl? I don't know. What would it do to her, do you think, to see these? Wallace shrugged. Again, no idea. But what... Wallace held up one hand. Give me a moment, please. The Greenman nodded, and Wallace went into a kind of trance. He called up all the information he had about Kendra, about the doctor, about the events of the past weeks. He knew almost everything about Lane White, Kendra's mother, that a mundane friend might know, and he suspected that there was more there, small, strange inconsistencies in her history, nothing that a mundane would notice. And a reckoner would never be interested enough in the life of an ordinary woman to scrutinize her through a seeing. Strings of dates, places, and names went through the clerk's mind, comparing, testing, matching anything that might possibly be... Niles Phaeton. Kalin had sat down on the comfortable chair across from Dr. Leon's desk to wait. When sight went into a thinking trance, it could be seconds or hours after all. Who or what is Niles Phaeton? He's in the second circle of release. So... He's the only connection I can find between the houses and Dr. Leone. And... Kalen stood up and crossed to where Wallace was standing by the window, the afternoon light beginning to grow yellow and long. He's a collector of rare blood art, 
We've done work for him on it as a library. And... Wallace gestured back at the computer on Dr. Leone's desk. Kendra's files. He's listed in the first entry as the referral source. He's the one who suggested that Leone treat Kendra. The two stood quietly for a moment before Kaolin said, That's a thin string, boy. I know, but it's the only one I can find. The Greenman put his hand on Wallace's shoulder. Okay, then, he said. Let's tug on it a bit. From the outside, Bardones looked like, well, like nothing. When Vanya pointed out the flat spots in the ground, she could see that some had stones in them, like a paver that's been pushed down, flush, with the dirt and grass around it. Some of them were even buried. Look harder, Parrot Girl said. Look deeper. Kendra tried. It was getting easier to see the real world, or more of it, anyway. So she stood back and took a deep breath and looked around her with the new senses she barely understood. They're connected, she said finally. Yes, the tone clearly added, and... Looking harder, Kendra saw that they formed a double circle, probably about fifty yards across, with about two yards between each ring. There was power there, clearly a way of some kind, but it seemed... It's blurry. On purpose. Vanya clapped her hands. Good girl, come here. She held out her hand, and Kendra took it. Walking slowly, almost in a kind of marching step, Vanya led her between the lines, and Kendra could now sense a kind of pattern within the pattern. Like striations on a rock or the rings on a tree, seven of them layering the rings as they pulsed beneath her and sent waves of power up into the air. After walking around what felt like about a quarter of the circle, Kendra paused. There's a gap there, she said. Almost a question. Yep agreed Vanya. That's the front door. Come on. Still holding hands, they moved a bit faster, and when they got to the spot on the way that seemed less solid, they passed through it and into... Welcome to Bardones, said Parrot Girl with a flourish. The empty Scottish glade had been transformed into a noisy, bustling space that seemed half restaurant and half circus. There were tables and chairs and a high domed ceiling made of, it seemed slowly rotating black smoke. As it swirled, Kendra could occasionally see through it to the stars and moon they'd left behind. The walls were made of large bricks, big like the stones used to make pyramids, she thought. They were all of a grayish material, but with hints of other colors. Looking around, Kendra saw that the door they'd stepped through now appeared as a large archway in the wall, surmounted by an enormous capstone on which was carved a huge open eye. As she stared at the eye, it looked down at her and blinked. Not the weirdest thing I've seen today, Kendra thought, and followed Vanya into the hall. A woman in jeans and a t-shirt with a name tag that said, Hi, I'm Dottie, approached them and asked, Eat, watch, or play? Eat to start, Vanya replied, whatever the special is, and water to drink or iced tea if you got it. Sure thing, little sister, the woman replied. Sweet? Heck yeah. KK, the woman said, making a note on a pad she took out of her back pocket. She seemed to Kendra to be entirely normal by mundane standards. Athletic build, not too tall, dirty blonde hair pulled back in a ponytail, maybe 25 or 30 at most. 
but as she wrote on the pad, Kendra saw that Dottie's skin was marked with loops and whorls of very fine, almost invisibly pale tattoos that moved. As Dottie turned to go, she said, Good spots over by the fire still, if you want to watch the next game. And if you want to play, remember that you got to declare. No jacking, pigging, or vendetta allowed. Yeah, yeah, I know. I've been here before. Dorn knows me. Just saying, Dottie just said, and went off towards the far end of the space. So this is a sanctuary, Kendra asked. But for who? Vanya grabbed Kendra's hand, leading her around the edge of the room to some open tables near a fireplace about the size of a minivan. She sat and motioned for Kendra to do the same, saying, Sanctuary is a good word. It was called something else thousands of years ago, but now, well, the mundanes come up with interesting vocab sometimes. For having a much less interesting worldview, they're remarkably poetic. So, you still haven't answered my question. Sanctuary for who? Well, for anyone, really, Vanya said, gesturing around. Raising an eyebrow, she asked. Our server. What house? Blood, Kendra answered without pause. Good girl, how'd you know? How would I not? Vanya nodded. You're getting more used to the signs. At first, like anything, you need to think about it. Eventually? A reckoner or a way will just be obvious. Kendra nodded. It's like asking someone, how do you know something's cold? The question doesn't even make sense what you know what the words mean. Right. Parrot girl paused to look around and so did Kendra. It seemed the more she looked like a giant stone tavern from a mix of ages, the huge fireplace had gothic carvings of faces across the mantel. Just to the left of it, though, was a neon Wurlitzer jukebox, and three reckoners were shooting pool, while another three or four looked on, under a hanging chandelier lit by hundreds of tiny fey lights. The chain holding the chandelier disappeared up into the dark smoke of the ceiling, suspended by nothing, as far as Kendra could tell. It smelled good. It was amiably noisy. It wasn't too full, but it was comfortably friendly. There was the kind of vibe you got at good concerts or minor league sporting events, where everybody was clearly there to share a common activity. It feels good here, she said simply. Vanya nodded again. Bardone's is my favorite sanctuary. There are others, dozens, some smaller, some much larger. This one has the best vibe, though. Dottie arrived with a tray on her shoulder and put two plates and two glasses in front of the friends. The meal was a kind of shepherd's pie of some kind with a side of baked apples and some cubes of something Kendra didn't recognize. CB is still mixing up the iced tea, Dottie said, handing each of them a napkin bundled around utensils. I'll be back in a sec with a pitcher. KK, Vanya said back to Dottie, which made the waitress smile. CB, Kendra asked, current Bardone, the owner or manager. Depends on how you look at it. The guy in charge. Kendra nodded and tucked into the meat pie. It had crust on the bottom and mashed potatoes on top and was a little too hot, which meant it was the perfect temperature. By the time Dottie was back and pouring iced tea, she was ready for a good long drink to take some of the heat down a notch. This is very, very good, she said around a mouthful of pie. Above, right? Vanya replied, equally eloquent, around a too large chunk of hot meat. As they ate, Kendra studied the place more carefully. The walls themselves were fascinating. Again, she saw clearly that they had to be a way of some kind, but it didn't jump out at her what it was for, other than the obvious, separate the space from the outside and keep the inside invisible to mundanes. What did Dottie mean? No jacking, no pings or vendettas, she asked as she started in on the baked apples. Vanya gestured at the open area directly in front of the fireplace. Some sanctuaries are just for rest or conversation. 
Bardones also allows games, fights sometimes too, duels, a way for folks from different domains to uh, get up into it. They can't do that outside whenever they want? Eh, depends. Remember, houses aren't really allowed to fight each other. Individual reckoners can't. So if you have a deadly beef with someone, yeah. Declare vendetta and try to kill them in some dark alley and hope their clan or tribe or jangle or whatever doesn't find out and come after you. I still don't see how that's cool. Oh, it's not. We have lots of other rules and laws that govern all kinds of activities. Some of it would be the equivalent of what you'd call criminal law or civil law. Many of our contracts use ways to bind them, and if you go off book, she shrugged, the way can often enforce itself. I don't see how that's any different than what people, uh, what mundanes have. Vanya picked up a fork and stabbed one of the little soft cubes on Kendra's plate and popped it in her mouth. Good, she said. Excellent galganache. You won't like it. She reached over and quickly scooped the remaining cubes onto her own plate. Kendra frowned. It's good, and I won't like it. Vanya nodded around her mouthful. Very much an acquired taste, and I'm doing this to make a point. Hang on. She took a gulp of tea to wash down the last bite of stolen food and then gestured at Kendra's place with her fork. I took your galaganache. You don't have it. Suppose you have wanted it. Now you're pissed, right? Kendra nodded. Sure, let's assume I am. So you can ask me to pay for it, or make a stink to the establishment, or steal my dessert when I'm in the loo, or whatever. It's between you and me. You follow? Kendra nodded again. She was used at this point to Parrot Girl's roundabout way of teaching. Now, what if instead I go into the kitchen and, I don't know, tip over a whole vat of galaganache, or steal it all, or poison it, or whatever? And you come here and you want some, and Dottie tells you, Sorry, some crazy fairy chuffed the whole load. No galaganache tonight for you. Right? Okay. So, do you have a beef with me now, or with Bardones? Kendra had to stop and think. I, um, hmm. Think about it in terms of mundane law. Do you, Kendra, have any legal recourse against me, her most high and loveliest princess parrot person, or against the establishment? Kendra shook her head. I don't think so. You didn't steal from me. And I might dis be disappointed with Bardones, but it's it's not their fault you pooped in the pot. That made Vanya giggle. Right, it ain't. But you still don't get your galaganache. That made Kendra nod and scowl. The effect is the same, but the cause is very different, she thought. Now, Vanya said, leaning way over the table and fixing Kendra with an overly dramatic stare, imagine that Bardones isn't mixing up galaganache, but instead is the source of the highest power in the universe. The light went on in Kendra's head. The law adheres to the way. Vanya leaned a little bit further forward and kissed Kendra on the forehead. Good girl, she said, dropping back into her chair and slurping the last of her iced tea loudly through the straw. As long as you mess with an individual reckoner, she said, or even their family or clan or whatever, you pay whatever price makes sense. And if you're powerful enough, Maybe no price at all. But if you mess with the ways, Kendra interjected, you bring the whole house down on your ass, and probably the other domains, too. Dottie appeared at that moment and asked, You kids want any dessert? They both shook their heads. The meat pie had been very filling. I'll fill up your tea and you can hang out as long as you like. Not so full tonight, so CB will go easy on the no-drinky, no-watchy rule. Both girls nodded their thanks. As Dottie turned to go, Vanya asked, You want a roll? Dottie grinned. Sure, fun stuff. Haven't had a decent rando at a table in a while. What do you need? What do you like? The waitress tapped her pencil on her teeth, thinking. Hair? For hair, I need some lemon and a mirror. Be right back, said Dottie, turning on her heel to go. What was? 
Kendra started to ask. Just watch, Vanya said, digging a piece of string out of her pocket. Dottie came back and pulled a chair over from an empty table next to them, sitting on it backwards, arms folded on the back. She handed Vanya a lemon and a small, cheap, round mirror that looked like it probably came free with a small, cheap purse. Here you go, she said. Okay, great. Vanya took her table knife and cut the lemon in half. She squeezed some of the juice into one hand and motioned for Dottie to lower her head. And take the rubber band out, she said. Sure. The waitress did so, and her fine, blonde hair fell down around her face as she leaned over the table. Kendra watched as Parrot Girl flicked drops of lemon juice into the woman's hair, and then kind of jiggled her hands around in for a second, fluffing the hair up and around a bit. She then gathered it up into a new ponytail and tied her piece of string around it. She squeezed a little more lemon juice out onto the string and lifted Dottie's chin up with a gentle touch. That's it? That's it, Dottie said. Yep. What did it... Vanya gestured at the mirror on the table. Kendra could see absolutely no difference in the waitress's hair. But when Dottie picked up the small mirror and looked into it, she jumped up with a primal shriek of surprise and knocked her chair backward. At that moment, there was a bright flash as the string around her ponytail snapped with the sound of a violin string being plucked. When Kendra's eyesight recovered from the flash, she saw that Dottie's hair was now waist-length, thick, black, and lustrous, with a pattern of deep purple symbols shifting through it. You little... Dottie had dropped the mirror and raised a hand as if to slap Vanya. Hang on, sister. Take another look. Vanya was smiling like a fiend, scooting back in her chair to avoid a possible smack. Dottie paused and recovered the mirror from the floor. With a nasty look at Vanya first, she glanced down at it her anger slowly transforming to delight. Holy crap, she said finally. That is... Wow, and it matches my carves. That's... Vanya leaned back, smug, crossing her arms and finished the sentence. Uh, totally awesome? The waitress nodded. Yeah. I thought for a second... Vanya interrupted. Yeah, sorry about that. It's the fear that triggers it. Whatever you think the absolute worst-case scenario is for your hair, well, that's what you'll see. Dottie shook her head, both in wonder and to see how her hair fell now, clearly enjoying the cascade down her shoulders and all the way to her waist. It's gorgeous. Does it always work that well? Vanya snorted. What do you think? The other woman shook her head again and laughed. I guess you take what you could get when you roll with a roller, especially if you ask for it, Vanya said, wiping the lemon juice off her hands onto her napkin. Truth, Dottie said. Wow. Anyway, nicely done, little sister. I'll bring you some tea. A little bit more in a bit. As she walked off, slowly tipping her head from side to side to test the weight and flow of her new hair, Parrot Girl said, Tell me what you saw. Tell me what you learned. I actually followed that all pretty well, Kendra thought. Not exactly sure how, but it makes more sense all the time. Roll, roller, rolling the dice, she said. That's you, chaos, gesturing at Vanya, who just nodded. The way Kendra continued was set up with the lemon and the string, but the trigger was whatever she saw in the mirror. Like you said, the worst haircut ever. Worse than that, even, Vanya interrupted. But don't worry, the details go on. So you set up a way for her, rolled the dice, changed her hair, and she liked it. Right. Clearly Vanya wanted to hear more, something else. Why, she thought. Why, Kendra asked. Without saying anything, Vanya made a look-around-and-see-your-world gesture. Kendra looked. She saw people, reckoners, eating and drinking, shooting pool, talking in small groups, playing some cards in the corner. 
They all looked the way she now saw all Reckoners. She could see their seeming and their true selves at the same time. The wings and the horns and the extra limbs no longer concerned her at all. There was a doorway to the kitchen through which Dottie had just disappeared. Several other waiters and waitresses came and went. Somebody put a song in the jukebox, some Dylan tune she didn't recognize. People eating, people talking, somebody on a cell phone. Look, she told herself, really look, what am I missing? What do I expect that I shouldn't, or what is different that I just don't? And suddenly it hit her. There's no money. Got it in one, Vanya said, leaning forward to give Kendra a little high five. Before Kendra could ask a clarifying question, so you were giving Dottie a tip? The room seemed to quiet down, quite a bit, all of a sudden. The night's first match will begin in five minutes, said a tall, bald man standing by the fireplace. Get your drinks topped off, fetch a chair, and place your bets. Ken Var of Release challenges Dai Lee, other fingers Sensu of Flux. This is a grudge spar to settle personal grievance. There can be no call of Khan Lee. Fight is to submission, unconsciousness, or death. No pinging or tagging during the match on penalty of life ban. He glanced around the room. Seeming to make eye contact with a few folks, he was, Kendra now saw, a very tall man with a fantastically muscular build. Like a caber tosser, she thought, or a blacksmith. His arms nearly split the seams of his clean gray t-shirt, and she could see his abs through it as well. C.B., good-looking dude, whispered Vanya. Uh, yeah, agreed Kendra. People pulled up chairs around the fireplace, two other patrons asking if they could sit with Kendra and Vanya. They nodded, and the two newcomers, an older man with a rainbow ring of light around his head, and a thin woman with purple-black skin, sat down and turned their chairs towards the fire. Parrot Girl just reversed herself in her own chair, and Kendra looked around the room, waiting for the match to begin.